Okay, let's um, start off here with the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the God of all things, the God who is good and the source of all good things. Thank you for pouring out, for showering on us your goodness, your love, your joy, your light. Father, thank you for this time that we have to be in your word together, listening to your voice, Father, and trying to live by every word that comes from your mouth. Father, we are asking now, as James instructed us, we're asking you to give us wisdom, because it only comes from you. And uh, James tells us to pray for it, and so we're praying for it now. Father, give us wisdom in the middle of all kinds of confusion and chaos and uh, perversion and uh, destruction of every kind. Father, give us what we need. And uh, Father, help us to uh, shine like stars in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation, just as your apostles say. Father, thank you for all of what you have done for us in Jesus the Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, now, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Okay, so remember the nine key points? No, we gotta go back over them. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, and then I have several questions for you. I got several important questions for you. By the way, while we're going through these nine key points, I want you to think about a song that you loved when you were growing up. A song that was like on the radio or something, and it was just catchy tune, and you loved that song. Okay? Just think about that. Okay. I'm going to lose my microphone. This is Learn to Discern, this is session four. And uh, very quickly, we're gonna go through the key points. If you do not learn to discern between what is good and what is evil, you will unknowingly waste your life. This is something that you could even tell somebody else who doesn't seem to have any interest uh, in the truth. You could tell them this truth, but it's true for us. Sometimes people go in and out of church buildings their whole lives and they do not learn how to use the words of God to discern their choices, their thought process, what they love to do, what they love to listen to, and so on. And you end up wasting uh, your life. Definitely wasting time. Key point two, truth is only useful if it helps you to identify what is a lie. You and I can talk about the truth all day long until we're blue, but if it does not help us to distinguish, to isolate, to identify what a lie is, we're in big trouble. Um, the truth is 
of itself supposed to shed light on what is not true. So the Bible talks about the light exposes sin. The light comes in. It is not overcome by darkness. It actually exposes what is evil. It, it shows what is evil. And in the world today, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. Uh, I'm sorry, too bad. Point three, learning discernment takes practice every day. We must apply or live by the words of God every day. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. You know, you wouldn't even be saved. You would not be saved, sitting here saved. You couldn't be saved if Jesus Christ had not lived by every word that came out of the mouth of God. The only way that Jesus Christ was able to fulfill the law, fulfill the law, which was impossible for all other human beings, was he lived by the words of God every day. Key point four, and you and I are following him, learning from him this very thing. Point four, according to God, the sin cycle was started by a lie and is perpetuated by lies to this day. We're going to talk about this a little bit uh, here in a second. Uh, this is what's going on today. If you and I are oblivious to it, if we get desensitized about this, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. This was the way it all started. This is how evil showed up. It showed up in the form of a lie. Key point five. This is why the world is filled with lies and sin past the point of saturation. It even seeps into our thinking as we live in the world. And this is one of the reasons why learn to discern is so valuable for us is because yes, we're still living in the world. And we have no idea how much of the world is seeping into our minds and our hearts. You have no idea. That's why I wanted you to think about a song that you loved when you were growing up. You have no idea. Satan has all these ways. Key point six, Christians often do not realize they have accepted lies and allowed them to commingle with what they have learned from God. Satan uses this contamination to trick us into going along with evil things. Satan is very good at, at, at saying, oh, did God say that? Is that really what he means? Is that, are you sure about that? Oh, surely not. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Starting in the garden. Oh, surely. No. No, God couldn't mean that. This commingling, it's Matthew 5, 8. Jesus Christ saying, the pure in heart will see God. Those who haven't commingled, don't keep commingling all this stuff in their hearts and their minds, it's a holiness process that you have been saved for. So you have to be able to separate the stuff out. Uh, even before Jesus separates out the sheep and the goats, you have to separate some things out in your mind. And uh, the people who will see God are those who are unmixed in heart. Not, not mingled I got 60% of the world and 40% of me. It's, no. 
No, your heart is totally for God. And, you, and God knows that you are wholehearted for him. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Key point seven, what all is on the tapes in your mind? <coughs> you know that you have, you have archives, right? Your brain keeps archives. You have all these memories. Have you ever been talking to somebody and the next thing you know, uh, Cheryl and I do this sometimes, we talk about growing up, and I start talking about things I, I had totally forgotten. I had totally forgotten. You know, how your grandma's basement smells, you know, and stuff. Like, I, I just, you forget stuff, but it's in there. It's in there. There's all kinds of stuff, good and bad. And the bad stuff, you really don't want to unearth, you know, it's like, okay. But there's stuff on your brain, even kind of, we, we think it's kind of so-so stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that's just gotten in your brain somehow, and you haven't sorted it out. And this is, again, back to the song. Uh, baseline thinking, growing up, exposures, modeling, traumas, habits, fears, patterns, assumptions. I hate to say it, but if your parents and people in your family had certain patterns that were negative, that kind of messes up your baseline some. Okay? If the people who are helping you to grow up, don't know the truth, uh, they're kind of damaging the baseline. Yeah, because you're not getting truth early on. You're getting all the lies on top of lies without the truth. Now, God still reaches down. He reaches in with his light and he can reach anybody along the way. And, uh, and he does that with uh, Saul of Tarsus, as I talked about in the sermon. But there's all these things already in your mind, and, and even assumptions, you know, sayings. You know, your parents or your uncles and your aunts used to say things all the time. That's another thing. I keep on remembering all these dumb Hoosier sayings. And it's like our kids are like, I never heard that. You're making that up. Like, nope, they used to say that. You got a saying, Alan? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're in the middle of a situation that's bad, it has an effect on you, right? We're going to talk about this later. Um, so, so, yeah, the environment that you grow up in, that atmosphere, that modeling, those words affect you in some way. It's not like they're not there. And then a key sayings uh, you heard really often uh, that may be kind of things that your parents live by, kind of. What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of the mouths of the people that you're working for or with? And this is just one thing I, I want to mention. I don't want to go too far on this, but um, do you find it disturbing when the people around you are cussing their heads off? Do you find it disturbing when lawmakers in the press and in the media, while the cameras are rolling, say the F word nonstop? Does that, does that bother you? That should bother you. That should really bother you. People who are cussing constantly, they have no grounding in the truth. They are lying to themselves from the get-go. 
You do not want to be around people who are cussing all day long. You don't. But I know in Washington, D.C., this happens. I know in this area it happens. I know when I was a manufacturing manager in Ohio and in Baltimore, different places, I, sometimes at the end of the day, I'd heard so many cuss words, I'm like, man, that's just hurting my brain. That is hurting my heart. That is like, that is, that's, that has, God is nowhere in that. You actually think that people who are cussing like that constantly could possibly, could possibly ever speak the truth? They're, they're not careful about anything coming out of their mouth. And when somebody cusses constantly like that, it means there's, there is real hatred, there is real anger, there is real resentment. It means that person is, is a ball of fire, of hate. They hate themselves. Everything coming out of their mouth. Jesus Christ addresses this coming to the, the earth. He looks at people and says, hey, what's coming out of your mouth? That tells what's going on inside of you. That's what Jesus said, right? That's what Jesus taught. These things mean something. Jesus says, if certain words are coming out of your mouth, it means something's wrong inside of you. Okay. Now, this should actually upset you and I, especially if we ever, you know, accidentally cuss. But if you say something that's foolish, something that's harsh, something that, you know, it, it, it's a reflection of what's going on inside of you. Where is the light? Where is the light? Um, okay, well, we'll come back to this. Key point nine, how are you going to sort out what is from God and what is from Satan, which predominates in the world? How are you going to sort it out? So, this is where we're at. Um, I'm going to ask you one question before we get to the song. In what way did you speak the truth in love this week? In what way did you speak the truth in love this week? To whom? Where was it? When was it? Can you actually think of a time when you spoke the truth to another human being in love or because you cared about them? I want you to ask yourself this question for this week. In what way, in what ways, are you going to speak the truth this week in love? With whom, where, and when? When you start doing this, it will help your discernment process. It will. And guess what? It may help somebody else to discern something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Favorite songs growing up. Somebody tell me. What was your favorite song? I'll Fly Away. I'll Fly Away. Oh, you. It's not exactly what I was thinking, but... <laughs> I, okay, I like that one too. From the time I was little, I loved the, I loved the, the tune, you know, and it was very uplift, very, yeah. Okay, I don't think that was actually the title. 
Joy to the world. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was a different joy to the world. But Jeremiah was a bullfrog, yes. And that's the part she remembers. This is a three-dog night, I think. Uh, you know, we lived in Indiana, but we had exposure to Chicago and Detroit. So we, we got all the Motown, we got WLS and all the rock and roll, we got everything, man. So we grew up, we grew up hearing all these songs and absorbing them because most of them, because they had a good beat, had a really good beat. Or it's kind of a catchy tune, and it's like you find yourself singing this catchy tune, and then you go, huh, oh, hmm, what am I saying? I don't know what I'm saying. Man. Um, or 30 years later, you stop and you realize, right? We were talking about this. 30, 40 years later, you stop and you realize, huh, that's what that meant. <laughs> that's why my mom had a funny look on her face when I was. <laughs> oh, Cecilia. Yeah, okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I feel good, yeah. Um, okay, so th all these songs that it's just, they're on a tape. They're on a tape. Yeah, and Carl could actually do this, I think, karaoke, probably. But there's some songs that you memorize. You memorize the song because you love it so much. It's so catchy. And then you realize, okay, uh-oh, there's a few things in there that aren't exactly great. Not really great. And then you have some other genres of songs, of music, where they're actually cussing all the way through the song. Uh, I don't know, man, that's, that's a problem right away. So Satan is using stuff in the popular culture, obviously, because it's the world. Uh, he's using all these things that kind of sound good, kind of look good, to embed these little ideas in people's minds from the time they're little. A whole set of ideas. And then you go through all these different levels of school and maybe university and you get exposed to all these other things and all these other seeds get in there planted in your mind and your heart that didn't come from sources that were good sources and that have nothing to do with God nothing to do with God's design God's way of doing things so, <clears throat> the human mind is very interesting. It's shaped by all of this stimuli uh, around us, all this information, all these things going on, all of this interaction and behavior and modeling, um, traumatic situations, all this stuff factors in to how the brain is shaped over time. And if you're hanging out with people or you're kind of forced to be with people, uh, you, you have got to sort this out. You've got to find a way to get on top of it, if not get out of the situation. Now, the other day I just gave a book to, uh, to somebody uh, about toxic coworkers. I, I have several books about dealing with difficult people, how to deal with toxic coworkers. I got, I got all kinds of books. But, um, but there are tons and tons of toxic people out there because they're not paying attention to the God who made them. How are you not going to be toxic if you're totally unplugged from the God who thought you up and put you here? No, no, you're going to get toxic all right. Toxic with sin, with evil. Um, so, okay, um, any other favorite songs? Favorite songs? Somebody? I don't know if favorite songs, 
Okay. You listen to it for five days in a row. Right, right. And then, and then you know, the MTV, you know, change happens. Yep. Right? So yeah. you have these music videos where, you know, now you've got the, the, the song, the lyrics, but then also the visuals, you know, and so you, you have this kind of permeating your right. brain, so you start taking on some of these uh, dances and style of dress and, and, and all these kind of things. And, sure. And it's just like uh, open up the floodgates on, sure. on, on, on the brain. Right. Yeah, now that is totally true. I mean, the imagination is suffering in some ways. But the other part of this, though, is really that, you know, basically Satan has found a way to use technology to magnify evil, to make it more accessible around the world and to every mind, no matter how remote. And this is interesting for him. It's a coup for him, he thinks. He thinks. Um, Okay, so uh, any other favorite songs? I know you have a favorite song, Kevin. Oh, back here. Bob. Oh. <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Cohen, yeah. Okay, well, okay, so back over here, yeah. Um, I didn't know what the lyrics were. I thought it was a religious song until I was studying what the lyrics were. The My Sweet Lord. My Sweet Lord, oh yeah, the Beatles, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, that threw me off too, yeah. Uh, any other? What is it? Heart of Glass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, there, there's certain ones. I, I remember there's a song by uh, Harry Nilsson or somebody, uh, Without You or something like that. Or some, I don't know. I was like 13, 14 years old. Came out. I went and I bought the 45 down at Guarantee Auto. And I put it on the stereo console. Uh, and I listened to it for five days and got depressed. <laughs> you know, I can't live. I can't. Live without you, I can't live. It's like, oh God, all right, this guy's really lovesick and he's going nowhere and it's depressing me. It's like, I don't know, that was it. Go ahead, now. <laughs> That's a whole different story. Johnny Cash, well, okay, he had a few. But, you know, it's a mixed bag. You know, I, I listen to, like, country and western songs, and it's like, okay, it's, it's all bad. I mean, really, okay, there's, there's some patriotic songs, but I'm listening to it. It sounds really nice. I gotta, and it's, like, wholesome. I go, it's wholesome. No, it's not. It's like, okay, they're, they're always drinking and doing something. I don't know. Yeah, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and the, the feral song, you know, that's a really up song. There, <coughs> there are some fun songs, but anyway, some of the ones that are like the, the peppiest, the most fun, you, you go a little ways and you figure out, oh, there's some lyrics in there that aren't exactly true. Um, okay. Toby Mac, yeah, okay, I, I heard that. Right, right. Now, yeah, I think, you know, human beings, yeah, you kind of like the beat, but uh, we need to, like, be looking for the messages, the message. What does this mean? What does this mean? Um, what does it mean when every day for, I don't know, a couple years, every day people say something in the press and then it's not true. And then they say something again and it's not true. And then they say something again and it's not true. And then they say something again and it's not true. And they say something again and it's not true. It says, what happens? There becomes a credibility issue of sorts. When somebody doesn't they, they actually, this, this is what God hates. We just read Proverbs last time. One of the things God hates is a false witness and a liar. And he says this twice in that Proverbs passage. He actually says that when somebody bears false witness, false witness they, they're actually saying that somebody did something. Who's the accuser? Who is the accuser? Satan. Satan is the accuser. When somebody is constantly accusing, who do they look like? Satan. Satan. When they're accusing somebody and it's, it, it's not true, what does that mean? There's no proof of it. What does that mean? They're lying. It means they're bearing false witness. This is what God hates. Please, please get clarity. Whenever somebody bears false witness, it's proven that that was not true. God hates that. He hates it. He hates it when people lie day in, day out. He hates it when people are cussing nonstop in a violent way, a hateful way. He hates it because it's destructive. Totally destructive. There's nothing good in it. Um, take a look at um, page three. We talked about page two last time. Page three. And I'll just read a couple of these things to you because we have to do two things. From here on out, we have to hear what God says, and then we have to hear what human beings say. I want you to see the difference. I want you to see what God, the maker and sustainer of all things, says, and then I want you to hear the words of people who hate the God who made and sustains all things. And then I want you to see all of what they have influenced and how. Okay? You ready for this? I'm giving you a history lesson that you'll never get in any university on the face of the earth. Okay? 
The Lord is the only true God. Jeremiah 10, 10 through 16. The Lord is the only true God. What do people say now? There are many, usually. Oh, and now what's happened since 1940? Somehow, somehow, the God Allah has tried to take over and be just God. And in fact, in a lot of the newer versions of the Quran, it's not Allah, it's actually God. It's translated God, capital G-O-D. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yes? What is it? What is it? Well, no, I'm, I'm going to have to give you more history because we know how Islam has worked historically. This, this is a whole nother class. That's a whole nother class. Um, yeah, and it would take us another 13 months to actually get at what you're talking about. But I'll just know, okay, I've been studying language from the time I was little. So just know that even when language gets dominated by certain kinds of people, and their influence comes in and their meanings come in, just, just know that you can go back through history all the way to the Tower of Babel and you, you can figure out what is going on. The, the, the words can be changed by force. They can be supplanted, but the word of God never goes away. So <clears throat> anyway, we can talk about linguistics, we can talk about uh, the history of different movements, whatever you want to do, but not today. So he is the living God and everlasting king the whole earth trembles at his anger. So, uh, when the earth trembles, um, God is angry, apparently. Uh, this is not some old-fashioned thing. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. The Lord made the earth by his power, and he preserves it by his wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. 
He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. This is the way it happens. He is the creator of everything that exists. Jeremiah 10, 10 through 16. Now, even if this gives problems to NASA and NOAA in some way, and it's not their favorite explanation, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is the way it is explained, and it's, a, uh, it's an explanation that is actually more useful than most of the explanations that we get otherwise. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, this is what Jesus was talking about. Oh, by the way, uh, there used to be a guy named Otto Berg, who was the most brilliant mind in the world, who ended up working for NASA for a certain period of time. Otto Berg. And he had the best presentation ever about the awesomeness of God. And he was one of the greatest scientists and mathematicians alive at that time. Uh, this is after World War II. He actually showed both mathematically, scientifically, he showed that what the, the Word of God is saying is true. As one of the most brilliant people on the face of the earth. Now, he has passed on now, but if you ever come across anything from Otto Berg, take a look at it. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. He's, he is the truth. John 14, 6. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true. This is what the word of God is for. It's so that you can know what is true. So why are, why are we bewildered and confused about everything going on around us in the world right now? There is clarity from the Word of God if you're willing to go to the Word of God and accept it. It's the way that you can know what is true. Um, <clears throat> this thing about Jesus being the truth, uh, as I mentioned in my sermon, you really, this, this is what, this is in John 10, John 10. The people in John 10 and John 8, both, they hated Jesus because he was speaking the truth. He was, he was bringing the truth to them from God. They did not want to hear the truth, so they hated him, and they wanted to what? Give him a party? No, they wanted to murder him. Who, who, who is the one who wants people to murder people? That, that would be Satan. He, the destroyer wants to destroy. That's his whole deal, to destroy. Um, you and I need to get some clarity about this because there are people out there who actually hate the truth. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the word of God. And yet you are standing with them. You're standing with them at different times socially and in other ways. What's the deal with that? You can't stand with people who are opposing God and think that you're going to be okay. You think you're going to be okay? You stand next to somebody who is opposing God, hating God, propagating things that have to do with hate. You think you're going to be okay? You're not going to be okay. 
Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the way. He is the life. When he says certain things, some people are going to hate it, but it's true. Now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. 1 John 5, 20. Okay, where are we at? What time is it? Okay, uh, I've I got to finish pretty quick. <coughs> uh, there's so much to talk about here. Um, Proverbs 12.17, write this down. Proverbs 12.17 says, A good man is known by his truthfulness. This is Proverbs 12.17. A good man is known by his truthfulness, a false man by his deceit and lies. God is trying to help us here. He's trying to help us. Um... Two other passages to look at, Proverbs 12.14 and Proverbs 12.19. Somebody once said, uh, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you mad. Human beings who are in darkness do not like somebody to come with light and spread truth on what they're trying to pull. And human beings are trying to pull stuff all the time. All the time. Scheming is what the Bible uses as the word. Scheming constantly. <coughs> Blaise Pascal in 1656 wrote, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehoods so established that unless we love truth, we cannot know it. 1600s. Things were really messed up. Really messed up. Like today. Messed up. He's like, you can't even find, how are you going to find the truth? In order to get the truth, you're going to have to really love the truth. To ever find it. All of humanity's problems stem from a man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> That's another Blaise Pascal quote. Something to think about. People who are always scheming and lying and cussing can't stand to be by themselves. They drive themselves crazy. They want to be around other people so they can drive them crazy. Blaise Pascal was onto something here. He's saying, hey man, the, all this stuff is so hard to find truth. And you know what? If a human being were just to go and sit in a loner room quiet for a while, some stuff would get figured out. You might actually figure something out. Now the real thing though is, in, in the end, uh, and we'll see this in the sermon, when you really start figuring stuff out is when you hear the words of Jesus. You hear the truth from the source of truth. And man, it knocked Paul down. It knocked Saul of Tarsus down. 
It hurts a little bit. It may make you mad, but it's the beginning of discernment. There's a lot to learn in this thing. I, I, I wanted to get to the God-haters. <laughs> we'll do it next time. And um, uh, by the way, um, we took that right from Romans chapter 1, but it's very interesting. Uh, in the last 300 years, the people who influenced uh, Western civilization especially the most uh, ended up being uh, God-haters. And it's why we're in the mess that we are. Uh, the, the largest influences, um, even in terms of uh, education, in terms of thought, um, and we can narrow it down to probably five or six people, but they influenced hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in key positions especially educationally, all over the West. And uh, uh, we need to sort back through what they were saying. When I start showing you quotes from these different people, you'll realize, oh, that's the opposite of what God says. Oh, they say he was a genius, but he's saying things that were opposite from what God says. A little red flag should go off for you. I don't care how genius that guy was. A little red flag ought to pop up for you. Um, okay, well, I hope you don't mind uh, digging in. We're, we're going to be digging in. God bless you this week.